Welcome Home Radio Podcast. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Our team is here with answers to guide you through the buying and selling process. We encourage you to ask questions. Please comment on this show or visit us at welcomehomeradio.net for more information. Bringing real estate, lending, and education together in one place and to help you make the right home decision for you and your family. Here are your hosts, Blair Thomas, Tom Holm, Alan Pace, and Jeff Duffy. And welcome to Welcome Home Radio, where real estate lending and learning come together. It is August 16th. We're excited you're with us today. Want to bring you up to snuff on some things that happened last week that I think are very important and want to get some comments from my co-host. So guys, welcome again. But I'm very distraught at the first time ever the United States passed the $1 trillion mark in credit card debt. On Wednesday of last week, we passed that mark and $455 billion was just done in the last three months. So we see a trend here that is very concerning of standard of living, but paying minimals on credit cards and our credit card debt has never been as high as it is today. What are your thoughts? What are your comments on that? Were you aware of that? Because this also comes back to what happened last Monday, which was bank banks being, uh, what is the term, turned down and or derated a little bit, lose loss of rating, and therefore interest or interest on this credit card debt is going up. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on this before we get started on our topic today. Well, I will say one thing about that um, statistic is that it does uh, and does reflect that even though that is the first time we've been at a trillion dollars, we're still below percentage wise the spending as far as the propping up of GDP uh, that was established back in 2006 is the highest time the amount was in comparison to our gross national product. So, um, but all things aside, it's still a trillion dollars and it's still a lot of money as far as we're, we, you know, we've gone through this phase where uh, we used a lot of the PPE money to pay down debt and we got that reduced quite a bit, which was a good thing during that time frame. Uh, but we're seeing the reemergence of the use of credit cards and people again are having to deal, deal with inflation and the higher cost of living, and they're doing it through use of short-term credit, which is scary. It is because, again, credit card companies constantly state, pay the minimum, here's the minimum required payment, and that allows people to think, okay, I can take care of this. But going back to the bank rating system, I just found out that normally credit cards for good creditors are right around 15, 14%. That has now jumped to 21 to 28% is the range. And therefore credit card debt is going to turn even more in that we could actually get to $2 trillion inside of three to five months if people do not uh, look at this in, in a serious way. So uh, the standard of living, the standard of uh, they're, they're maintaining where costs are going up, gas, food prices, everything has gone up. Uh, 
I'm just very concerned that people are not watching this. And as much credit as we see when they're when they're looking for a mortgage, getting pre-approved, uh, I'm amazed that people have three, five, seven credit cards, and most of the time they're maxed out. I've, I have never in my life seen so many people worried about their credit card debt. I mean, it's just talking with people. Um, and some people refinanced a few years back and consolidated their debt, and now they're getting in trouble again. And, um, you know, it's been a tough 18, 24 months of inflation. Everything's gone much more expensive, just things to put your kids in school or get through the day. Um, so people are just whipping out the credit card. We'll worry about it tomorrow. And Blair, with you saying a trillion dollars, I don't know if tr a trillion means welcome to tomorrow or not. I don't see this as really, I don't know. Maybe one of you guys think it's going to come down drastically soon. I, I don't know. doesn't feel like it when you talk to people. They're generally concerned, and um, it's an issue right now. If there, in my opinion, if there was a concern, I don't think I don't know if we would go to that level. But again, I also see people have been enabled to push debt off. I mean, one of the things is student debt is about to come on board now again. Payments starting September first, they've been deferred. People are used to living this way, and they're not managing that debt. And now it's going to come back on and. Things are going up. Hey, I still want to get food on the table. I still need gas, but I also want to go on this trip. I also want to do this and all costs are going up. Like Tom said, it's easy to put it on plastic and worry about it later. And interest rates going up in the credit card and banks still making their hand over fist money, compound interest on this. It seems like we're not learning our lesson very well if it's not talked about and discussed and that, look, you can't pay minimums and ever. I mean, how is it paying minimums? How, you, you never get caught up. You never, ever pay it off. I mean, unless you read. Well, that, that, let's make sure we make that correct. That They changed that and the law prevents us from credit card companies. You have to make a contribution towards principal. Albeit, if you buy a couch at Ashley, Ashley Furniture and you make the minimum payment, you end up paying for it for 26 years. <laughs> okay, so, that better so, be a good so, couch. It wasn't, have you gone through, right? it wasn't on sale as you thought it might have been. Oh. So you took out a mortgage to buy a sofa. That's correct. <laughs> I mean, I, it, I just don't think we're talking about it enough. I've seen too many people. Uh, working with a few people, it just it's it's befuddling to me that credit cards seem to stay maxed out. Yet we're worried about interest rate on a mortgage or paying for something that's going to return investment. Credit cards never return an investment; they always cost you more than what you think. Um, it, it just I wanted to bring this up because two, the banking system being downgraded. And, and and one, crossing over the trillion dollar mark, that's a huge number. Uh, I just, how many zeros that is, is just unbelievable. I can't imagine, though, seriously, again, people 
you know, living their life, like you said, Blair, doing what they have to do to get by. They don't care about a trillion and, and they certainly don't care about anything other than if Visa, MasterCard, Discover or somebody else says you can't, you're done. They're cutting you off. We, you know, there's got to be consequence. And just like the Fed doing what they're doing, you know, there's a consequence to everything. And until they cut people, you know, I don't know if, if you can just keep using the card and getting along and everything's fine and you're barely making it each month. And who cares? There's a trillion dollar debt. Who cares about this? Or who cares about that? All I care about is dinner next week. And can I make my car payment? Oh, by the way, my insurance went up 30% this year. You know, so there's a lot of stuff that people think about. I don't think they're thinking about, you know, the trillion dollar debt to them. It's just another day. I understand. I just, I, I guess I wanted to bring it out in, in under, in the light and say, we need to be concerned because I actually had a client the other day go, well, I'm not too worried about that student debt. I'm going to be forgiven that soon. And, and they're going to vote on that and everything. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. Uh, Joe Biden can say whatever he wants, but he doesn't have the legal right to uh, delete your debt. Um, but that was their vision. And they didn't even understand it was only $10,000, not the 90000 that they owed, all of that. I mean, it, it. there's a lot of confusion. And I guess I wanted to bring that out because it blew me away that from Tuesday to Wednesday, Tuesday evening, close of business, it was announced Wednesday morning, we crossed over that trillion dollar mark. And we only did it, I mean, in three months, we did 455 billion. And this is credit, personal credit card debt. This is, means they're carrying over balances from one month to another. I mean, it, it that blows me away. <coughs> Bless you. Bless you, Tom. Sorry. So I'm sorry. Again, comment. Find us at welcomehomeradio.net. Give us your thoughts on this. Uh, this is a, an interesting data point that I think we need to be aware of. But we're here to talk about what are the top 10 things you need to do to prepare to buy a home. You're a first-time home buyer. You're out there considering. You're wanting to get out of the rent race. And you want to figure out. So I'm going to lay out right there. We just talked about it. The first thing you need to do is understand where your credit is. What do you need to do to have credit scores that are worthy of a good mortgage? I'm saying a good mortgage. If we can still more, do mortgages at 500 credit score, but understand that you're going to be paying way more than you should anywhere in the 500s. We can do things, but we want to do a good one. That means you want a 620 credit score or better going up. 780 is really the max. You don't need an 800. 780 or plus, you get the top programs, you get the top rates, you get everything. But being prepared for what's on your credit report, being prepared for what's there and understanding it, things that you can impact, always important, always a concern. And to realize that you can do, you can increase your credit or decrease it by simple things that you do. And if you understand that, get with somebody, call myself, call anyone here. Let us help you understand what your credit report can look like and could look like if you worked at it for 30 days. Yeah, and just to throw, throw this in on top of that um, for the folks that haven't done it before, um, sometimes it's, it's a quick 
conversation. You're good to go. Other times it takes time. So if you're thinking about buying a home in the future, don't wait. Talk to a lender right away, um, whoever you trust with your money, and get the information sooner than later. Call Blair. <laughs> so, so checking with credit, what's the next thing somebody needs to consider? What is that next step that, okay, they've got the credit. Now, I do want to bring out, don't go to Credit Karma and check your credit, okay? Credit Karma is there to try to sell credit cards. That's a different algorithm than we use in the mortgage industry. So just understand the mortgage industry's long-term debt calculation is the hardest and it will be different than what Credit Karma or, or a bank, auto loan or anybody along that line. So check with the mortgage lender, please. So what's the next thing? Well, you, you definitely got to have an idea of, you know, where you want to be. So you nailed down a budget? Yeah, well, nail down the budget and where you want to be and and they go together. Um, sometimes where you want to be isn't in your budget. <laughs> so, it comes a realization, doesn't it? Very yeah, well and then said. you got to realize what you can afford maybe isn't where you want to be. And, you know, I did a video the other day on to the point about renting. Sometimes it is the right thing to do for a while. Sometimes it takes you a year or two to be ready to buy. Um, once you talk to the lender, you get the good information. It might take time. So, um, but you got to definitely have an idea where you want to be. And that comes into play with your situation, schools, community. Um, what would you say timeline, uh, to just get somebody started and thinking, are you going to, are you saying we need to be, if you plan to buy, it needs to be six months before you plan to buy is when you need to really start this process. Or is it nine months or is it three months? What What is that? I think personally, I tell people the minute you think you're going to buy something or want to buy something, go to the lender immediately. Don't wait. Don't put a two months on. I'm going to move in six months. I'm going to move in a year. Don't do any of that. If it's in, if, if you and yours have a conversation about, you know, I'm tired of renting this apartment and the noise and the parking lot, and blah, blah, blah. The next day, you know, Make a few phone calls to people that, you know, like call Blair. Say, listen, we don't know exactly when, but we want to know if and we want to know what our circumstance is. Um, you know, I can't tell my lender one month, three months, six months, but I know we want to. And in general, the people I talk to, they kind of know where they want to go first before they even think about the money. They kind of, well, I want to live in, you know, Mesquite. That's what I want to do. And, you know, another six months, it goes by and they go, well, I, you know, we got to do something. Well, don't do that. The minute you say, I want to live in Mesquite, call a lender, find out where you're at, get some good information. Um, it, it's in that category of knowledge is power. Amen. Nailing down that budget, checking your credit, getting your capacity, but then Understanding your 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 considerations of wants. Why is this driving force wanting you to move or wanting you to buy a home, own a home? It could be anywhere from, hey, we need we're growing family, we need larger space. I want to be out in the country a little bit. I want my closest neighbor a mile away. Or hey, I want to be next to the grandkids and be very short and close so that they can come over and see me every day after school. I mean 
understanding those driving forces helps you understand and quantify what you're doing. That's at least my thoughts. What are y'all's thoughts? Well, I, I keep having thoughts, but I thought I'd let somebody else talk for a while. No, you're good. <laughs> I know Thomas. Thomas got an HVAC problem, so he's he's very focused right now on staying cool. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Tom. Is that why you're sneezing? Losing as little as possible. <laughs> no, I. It's all part of it, you know. It's there's a dream, you know. It's it's changed over the generations a little bit, I think. You know, when I was moving out of the house at 17 years old, I knew right then someday I wanted to have my own house. You know, I wanted to have a house and the yard and all that stuff. That isn't the way it is today. So I think that's changed, Blair. And I, it's probably changed every generation since there was a country. But in general, I think that's changed a little bit. I think it goes back to budgeting. And that's changed a lot recently. And that puts the whole you know, the whole plan that you might have had two years ago up for grabs a little bit, the budget, you know, I don't know if wages have kept pace with the cost of housing via interest rates. Um, and for that matter, gosh, the cost of housing isn't coming down. It's, it's just not. I think it's safe to say those two have not kept pace. Yeah. Well, I'm not an expert on it. That's my opinion, but I didn't want to just state it as fact. Maybe you guys know the stats exactly. I've seen the stats that back it up, but I don't have it in front of me to share it with you at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, the, it's the old proverbial they say. <laughs> I like that word proverbial. That's awesome. The whole thing about, you know, timing and, you know, I still want to do it, but gosh, I can't now. now you know, it's that's what's going on a lot. Um, that's a lot of the conversation nowadays. Well, I heard you say something that kind of not concerns me, but is, the American dream, part of the American dream has always been to own your own home. I mean, has that changed in cultures now? Is it is it you'll own nothing and like it? Uh, no, that's not, the, that's not the attitude, but things have changed. I, I, I know people that don't want to buy. They want to rent. They're happy. And they make three or $400,000 a year. They don't want nothing to do with a the house. They've got a nice place to rent. They don't cut grass. They don't water. They don't pay you know, real estate taxes, they're, they're happy renting. It has changed, um, I think. And so, uh, but I'm not saying people don't want to live in a house. And, you know, I, I try to bring up with potential clients, you know, that, you know, the backyard, the kids, the space, the schools, the yard and the pets. And there's still a lot of inequity. My goodness. You know, it's, it's still, the biggest savings tool the majority of people have. Um, well, and you brought up something there that not the I top ten percent of America, but the 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 rest of us. It's a, it's a big big thing. It, I mean, if you understand net worth, and seventy five percent is that made up of real estate that you own, then I, I just think buying your own home is is a part of that process. You know, we're, we all can't be. Uh, the Trumps or any of those folks that, that buy major real estate and so forth. But the you mean the Duffy's? Huh? You mean the Duffy family? <laughs> they, that's yachts. And I, oh. I, 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 that's yachts. <laughs> but it's really 
to grow wealth, one of the key things, and it's again, 75% of the calculation has normally been real estate. And so, uh, I mean, I looked at a chart and information that been preparing for a presentation of, and Tom, you probably have some insight to this, but in 1943 is when we started tracking real estate equity and appreciation growth. And do you realize since 1943, we've only had seven years of negative growth? Even in those decades of the the negative growth years, they grew in the decades. It was always positive. So real estate seems to be one of those things that continues to return positively in the long run. If you're uh, committed, if you want to get in and out like the stock market, it's not going to work as well. But real estate is that long-term investment that continues to pay. And it's never been a bad investment, even at rates like today. And the second thing is people are so stuck on rates so badly. It's a shame since we've been tracking this again, guess what the average, the average interest rate across since 1943 to today. Seven and a half. You're very close. Seven and three quarters, seven and three quarters. So, these are still good rates, despite what people think, and and they have to realize it's never going to get well, there. Stop again. right there, Blair. That's a good point. That's that's happening right now. Um, for those of us old enough to remember 13, 14 percent on housing, there's a whole generation or two that don't know anything but three, four, or less. But the norm is changing. You know, well, six, can, I, can I stop you right there for a second? Yeah. We, we need to ask uh, our 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 aged veteran in the real estate world, how much was interest rate in the cave days? <laughs> you mean when I bought my first house at 14%? Yeah. And they went up eventually to 19%? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now, of course, I got an owner finance and assumed a loan, which gave me a combined about 8.5% rate. And I realized how brilliant I would be in real estate if I stayed in real estate at that point. Gosh, the air conditioning's working just fine now. Yeah, it sure is. But my point is about as the new norm gets to be norm six or seven percent, and people start realizing, you know, waiting for three, you know, so things will things will shift just like they did back in the day at thirteen or fourteen percent. People bought houses, um, and the you know interest rates did come down and. A lot of us refinanced and went on our merry way. But, you know, I think it just time happens. I mean, it went from three to six or seven pretty quick. Can I quote you? Time happens. You go right ahead, AC man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break in. Go I continue. That's bumper sticker material, isn't it? <laughs> it is exactly. Time happens. Time Waldo, happens. Waldo says time happens. If you don't like it, I don't know what shows for you, bro. But the point is the new norm is being established. And I, that's that's my opinion. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I'm pretty sure we're not going to see two and three quarters again in my lifetime. <laughs> Well, I, I think, again, it goes back to education, and that's partly why we want to do this show. That's partly why we're bringing up these topics is we want to make sure people put things into a, a, a 
process for them and ask the right questions, be aware of the right circumstances and and try to get an educated decision because I don't believe two and three percent interest rates are going to be here back in our lifetime. I thought I, think I just said that. Maybe in another tone, time happens, okay? Uh <laughs> Man, we're a bunch of Debbie Downers today. You guys no, I'm not a Debbie Downer. I'm trying to face facts that I don't think I don't think four and a half is going. I think four and a half is probably ever going to be the best we'll see in the next two or three years. Not months. Not months. Years. So uh, I just I want I guess I want to make sure people understand that real estate is still a great investment. It continues to grow. I mean, they've been saying on the news that we're going to have a housing crash. Well, where's the housing crash? Because my property, your property here in Texas and other states continues to grow in value. And because we have a limited supply of new homes coming on and people moving are not desired to be moving. They're not desiring to get either out of their mortgage or, hey, I don't have any debt. I don't want to have an incurred mortgage at this time. I'm staying put. And and so we have to work in the the area that we're at and in a way that I think goes back to education, making good decisions. And long term, if we look at somebody's blended rate of their financing, whether it be credit cards, auto loans, student loans and a mortgage, I bet you overall that mortgage is going to be better than the other interest rates that they're paying, especially on credit cards now. So, okay, we've we talked about those items. There's a couple of more key items uh, first-time home buyers need to be prepared for. Uh, I think one of the key ones is working with a key real estate agent like Alan or Waldo. It's uh, you need somebody that's on your side that's looking for you and aware, but also be able to advise you. Uh, as me, I try to give two, three, four options on a loan, on a lending solution, on financing where you're at. Also, a realtor should should give you options, should give you insights that you're not thinking about so that you have the best and most information accurately to make a decision. And right now in this in this country, we're seeing homes are being, again, bid on two, three, four, five bidders. And a lot of times overprice over asking is that a good decision to make is that bit over asking what can i do that i get when do i get my return and it goes back to looking at the data how long are you going to be in the home if you're in the home three four five years over asking may not be worthwhile but if it's it's your hey my kids are going to grow up here and graduate from high school so i'm going to be here 15 years that makes sense but having those key discussions with a key partner of yours, a realtor that knows you, cares about your goals, cares about your priorities, gives you good advice. What are your also takes on that? Because I've heard of a lot of bad experiences out there, people negotiating or, oh, I'm not going to be, I'm not willing to have a realtor on. I can do this myself. Uh, we see a lot of that, or at least I am seeing some of that going on. I, personally, I think it goes right along with timing the market. You know, I, it's a chancy thing. I mean, there's, there are people that are really good at doing real estate on their own. They, they can do it and it happens, but most people are not. 
Um, you know, I've worked with just every kind of profession there is out there helping them buy a house, including lawyers. So, um, you know, find a specialist that works for you. I think any good realtor, first thing they want to do with a, a client or a potential client is listen. Listen carefully to what the client has to say, what their goals are, what they want, what, what do they expect out of the process. And then from there, you go out and you, you try to make, you know, their so-called dream happen. And you can learn a lot from just listening to your client and going forward from there. Anybody else? It's, I think it's interesting. 3% when you think of most things you buy in your lifetime, you don't consider that to be very much as far as a tax, do you? In this case, but because of the price of a home, it can get so expensive. That's when people go, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to pay that. I want to save that. Well, let me give you an example of uh, why you need somebody who knows what they're doing, who's a full-time representing you. And as we had a contract, the buyer, the agent representing the buyer was had to written our title company in on the contract. Sullivan's trying to represent himself, then said, okay, that's fine. You can use your title company. Assuming not knowing the contract, that automatically meant the buyer then had to pay for the title policy. Now we're getting the closing and the seller realizes, no, sir, that's your fee because you didn't change who was paying for the, you just, you allowed them to change who the title company was going to be. That's what using a, a full and having someone who's full time as a licensed representative look out over your shoulder uh, and, and really take care and overlook your needs representing you. That's just one quick example. I just happened last week. And it happens. It happens frequently nowadays when people do the for sale by owner thing and the buyer agent brings a buyer and oh, well, you can just do the contract work. And, and, and so the first thing out of your mouth is I represent the buyer in the buyer's best interest, you know, and hopefully they understand that, you know, so it's. The other thing that's really, um, I think, has changed in the last 10 years with a lot of things um, is the whole going direct in everything nature of business, skipping anything that's not from my hand to your hand. You know, try to make it as easy as I can. I'll save money, but they don't save money. I mean, the majority of the time they don't. I mean, Tom's very experienced knowledgeable about real estate does his own and that's great. And, you know, he might even have somebody write it up for him. I don't know, but you know, it's a deal where most people don't have that kind of knowledge and you see mistakes all the time when you're out there and, and you point them out. I mean, you're, you have ethics, <laughs> you, want, you want to make sure everybody's on the up and up. So, um, but I don't know, just as long as if you buy in a house, it doesn't cost you anything. I don't know why you wouldn't use a realtor. I am a realtor. I don't want to sit here and toot that horn and let the other guys do that. But it's, it's, it just seems logical to me. Is it happening with the for sale by owners that they, they only want uh, offers made without realtors? I mean, has that been happening or those, those FSBOs, are they able to negotiate or because like, I mean, you allow another realtor, uh, the buyer's realtor, to set up the contract. Their fiduciary responsibilities, as Jeff said, is for the buyer. And slipping in like, oh, seller paying title, um, seller paying appraisal, you know, those sorts of things are 
are possible. Well, it says on the contract, get with a lawyer. <laughs> it says you should get a lawyer and all that stuff. So, you know, there's that, but you know, your jobs protect the buyer, but you, you know, you don't want anything not, not right to be on a contract. I mean, playing tricks or trying to slip a check here or a check there, you know, that's not what it's about. At least that's not how I do stuff, but anyway. Uh, we understand that. And I'm just saying it happens in the real estate world. I mean, I'm looking over a construction contract right now. And, and since the buying family does not have an agent, I'm trying to look at what the, what the contractor is doing. And it is a custom home. There are certain aspects, but we'll go through it. And, uh, but you have one thing, that, one thing that hasn't changed is the seller's the boss. The seller can do whatever they want with their house. They can sell it. I don't want to use any realtors. I don't want my buyer to use the realtor. And, you know, it's going to take longer. Probably going to go as nice. You, you are going to have to get some kind of a attorney involved somewhere. So, you know, I, I just think it's nothing's changed in that aspect. I'm a seller of a house. It's my house. I can do what I want with it. Okay. Until I'm under contract. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we've kind of talked about several things. Check your credit, understand it, nail down a budget so that you understand and you live within that budget for the home you're looking for. Uh, consider your desires, needs, wants, schools, location, size of home, that sort of thing. Understand your financing, get pre-approved, and then, uh, you know, work with a valuable agent that's going to be looking out. And finally, especially first time home buyers should be looking at any down payment assistance they can have. Uh, it saves them money and or maybe that's the only way they can get help since they're not able to save or not have enough savings to put down 3% or 3.5% or 5%. If you're a veteran, it's 100%. There's still a cost to the mortgage. So uh, you have to have that financing reserves. Maybe that's time where you're saving up some money or paying down, getting your credit check. But, you know, the bottom line is look for down payment assistance. They are coming back. They are here. They are available to you. So uh, be aware of those opportunities and maybe be working with a lender that will give you multiple options. Look out for you. That yeah, and that's way. another reason to talk with somebody, you know, I talked to Blair early. And he'll point out what's available to you. Every family's different, but you want to do it soon. I mean, find out. I think if you're a first time home buyer, all you've heard is, well, what is a buyer assistance? You know, I've heard of that, but I don't know what it is exactly. Well, most people don't. And, you know, maybe a friend used it, but it won't work for you. So you, it's part of the first thing you do. You talk to a lender, the lender's going to tell you, you know, after they look at your information, hey, did you know about this program? Or did you know about this program? It's gonna help you with your down payment. And if you're a veteran, I mean, Blair's the best. I mean, there's nobody better at veterans lending than Blair. Thank so you. just you. get with him on that. And But do it early, um, don't wait, don't procrastinate. And don't look at these things on Twitter or X or whatever they call it now. And, and oh, you wait, time the market. You know, it's gonna come down and interest rates are gonna come down. And no, 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 nobody can predict that. People that time the market do it best by accident or need. That's the fact. 
I want to add. I want to add one last thing as far as these lists that we're giving folks. And this is an experience I had yesterday, and I want to share it with everybody. Um, when this, we're going through this list of, you know, getting your ducks in a row, getting pre-approved, da, 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 da. I think number one on the list, actually, and I moved that up this weekend uh, because I, I've, I've now taught both a husband and a wife in separate classes um, who want to buy a house. And they've gone through the process of going, getting pre-approved, having their credit looked at. Um, you know, one of the credits on it is really super excellent. And the other one is not bad. It's, you know, 660 to 700 type deal. And they could afford to uh, go out there and buy a house and so on and so forth. But they need both incomes. And the it was brought to me yesterday, this multiple different things we're thinking about. Well, we're thinking about having a bankruptcy to get rid of $26,000 worth of, uh, of uh, credit card debt. And I'm like, no. And it's, uh, uh, you know, well, my husband had to go buy a car. And so he brought his payment down. He went out and bought a Tesla. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, we sold our car when all the used cars were really high as far as the demand and they got a lot of equity for their car. It was worth more than what they bought it for, yada, yada, yada. So that happened, what, about two years ago and they took the cash and instead of paying cash for a new old used car, he went out and bought a Tesla. Great. That's a big help. So my idea with them and, and they're they're in my class to get educated they were hoping to you know get their real estate mortgage licenses as far as that goes that was the class i was teaching to both of them but the the bottom line that came through and i love this couple i mean they're sweet as they possibly can be they're just wonderful wonderful people but they're young and they're learning how to do things for the most part and i realized in my Parting words to this young lady, the the wife of the in the couple, was you guys aren't you guys aren't on the same page. You're not on the same page. You've got to do this in a process. If you're buying a house, it's not well. He said and she does, or she does and he says, or whatever it works out to be. You're a team with when when you're buying a property. And this is something that I tried to express to her that they're not looking, they're not, they're not working as a team to buy the property, to buy a house. I said, you know, you, oh, well, you know, I've been able to save up money, yada, yada, yada. I said, well, how many times do you eat out every week? And it was like seven. <laughs> I'm like, that's not, there's no more days left. The, 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 there's no more days left. That's right. <laughs> And um, time happens. Yeah, DoorDash. DoorDash. Yeah, exactly. And I said, if you start adding up all that stuff on your, you know, your credit card where you do that, blah, 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 blah. You, you suddenly realize that I'm wasting a lot of money out there that could otherwise be saved, that could otherwise go towards these debts and get this stuff paid off. Why are they buying a home if they always do DoorDash or eat out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because they want a permanent residence where DoorDash can find them. I think they have a dog. Maybe so. I'm not positive yeah. for they that. They got a dog. That's 
that brings I, husbands and I wives. I mean, the last uh, killer thing was that you know, uh, yeah, I was talking about additional incomes and so on and so forth, and she said, "Oh yeah, you know, my husband does make additional income. He gambles." Oh Lord. I'm like, why don't you take that money if you're going to gamble and put it in the stock market? At least there's probably if you get informed to do the right thing, you know, you might you might hit something big there uh, and at least maybe and technically you're still gambling and technically you're still gambling. But, you know, I was just like this. You're, you're just not on the same page. And the problem, you know, the biggest problem was they have access to a big down payment through their parents. And I'm like, well, you can get the house and all that's fine and good. But then losing the house because of your behaviors and the way you're doing it, 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 you've got to have the mentality that you're going to do this as a team. And when I go back and I look at people, you know, my daughter's real big about buying a house right now. And I'm so proud of her because she's she does she doesn't go to happy hour with her company sometimes or when she goes to happy hour she'll get a coke and drink the coke and that's what she does when she goes with happy hour she doesn't sit there and buy rounds for people and she's a top producer where she works and you know she's she squeaks like her father as far as spending the dime and and that's something of course i'm proud of but uh, that's a hard thing to battle with because people around you think well why aren't you buying around moran da, 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 da. well i'm not drinking why would i want to spend you know 30 bucks 40 bucks on a round of drinks for everybody when i'm not even drinking myself i'm just here to enjoy your company or be with you guys and that type of thing so there's a lot of peer pressure out there to do certain things when we're younger. And I, I, I remember that. I mean, I, I know that that happened. You remember that? Really? Well, I wrote it down. And one day, I, about a, a month ago, I was looking through some of my old books and some notes and journals. Okay, that I, you were reminded. And I was reminded. I was reminded exactly. Or maybe it was a movie I saw. I can't you remember. Spent, you spent $50 to go to that Beatles concert. You know you did. Beach Boys. Texas Stadium, and then have my car towed. It's always the concerts back when we were young. I can't. Yeah. I don't have enough money to go to that. <laughs> well, we we figured that the sign that said "We'll tow your car if you park here" meant if you parked on the road. Well, I parked off the road on the grass. There you go. How would the tow truck get there? Did you say grass? Oh, ah, Beach Boy. Oh, we got ah. it now. <laughs> well, we have digressed uh, greatly. Kind of got fun there at the end. <laughs> well, guys, I hope everybody's learned something. Ask questions there. Like us. Find us at welcomehomeradio.net. Uh, again, there's a lot of work to be done in looking at your first home purchase. Get with some professionals that can help you. We, we highly recommend anybody on this show, but there are others that will be asked those questions. Ask some serious questions that you can get help with to make good decisions. And yes, be on the same page with your spouse. This needs to be a joint team effort because you're both going to be on the loan. And that is a financial long-term responsibility. So I thank you for your time. I'm Blair Thomas. And I'm Tom Holm. Get help and get started. I'm Alan Pace. And I'm Jeff Duffy. God bless. Welcome home radio production provided by Lunatic Digital. Check the listing of this podcast for the links to our sponsors. And don't forget to like, share, and follow us on social media. 
Visit welcomehomeradio.net for more information. This was a Lunatic Digital production. Visit lunaticdigital.com for all your digital needs.